Tommy Johnson, it's your birthday. That's right, Tommy. And for your birthday at Showbiz Pizza Place, you'll get a big, delicious Showbiz birthday cake delivered personally by Billy Bob himself. Pizza and party hats for you and all your friends and a special birthday gift. But wait, Tommy, that's not all. A birthday song just for you, performed by the one and only Rock of Fire Explosion. Pretty neat, huh? At Showbiz, we make pizza good and we make pizza fun. Okay, so if uh, if our listeners couldn't tell, uh, we started off uh, this episode with not me talking, but uh, with a commercial from Showbiz Pizza Place um, in the 1980s. So, uh, like I said, if if people have been listening um, constantly, they they know we talked about Showbiz uh, at the end of last episode when we picked this. Um, but did you guys know about like? the name of the band, like what it was called, Rock of Fire Explosion, I, I I would have totally guessed. I've asked a couple other people this too, like a documentary called Rock of Fire Explosion, what was it about? Oh, an explosion. <laughs> really? really I, uh, I, knew yeah, I didn't talk place. to anybody about this. No? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I kind of knew, knew about it because I remember the YouTube video of the guy who like did it to like Metallica music. And then it was like, what the fuck is this thing? And then like talking to people are just seeing shit online. It was like, oh yeah, there was this restaurant that was like Chuck E. Cheese. And then my buddy in high school worked at Chuck E. Cheese. But I don't, I think that was like, I found the video after. So. All right. So for, I was just finding the whole thing. So fucking creepy. (laughs) So for anyone that doesn't know, uh, rock fire explosion. So, it's a documentary directed by Brett Wickham. Uh, came out uh, in 2008. Um, basically, it kind of tells the story of uh, Rock of Fire Explosion, which is the animatronic band that played at uh, Showbiz Pizza Place, uh, which is now Chuck E. Cheese, and kind of the history and uh, it highlights a few people that uh, evidently really love the Rock of Fire Explosion band. Really, evidently, yeah. And you guys would say that all these people are great contributing members to society. So they probably have all their shit together well, and I don't think, glorify their childhood. I think they're great contributing. Way. Great contributing members. I don't think any of them are like that far off the the rails. But I, <coughs> I categorize this one like for all intents and purposes. I thought this was a really fun documentary to watch. Um, you know, it wasn't sad. It was wasn't particularly like flashy. Uh, it was just, I think the cast of characters was fun to watch. Um, the subject matter was fun, but I kind of describe this documentary as a hillbilly fairy tale. Oh that, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I think that describes pretty much what it's all about. Uh, and so yeah. one thing I don't like, I don't know much about showbiz pizza place. Like I know more about the Chuck E. Cheese, because uh, I don't think we ever had showbiz up here uh, in Canada. Uh, no. I think we just had Chuck E. Cheese. But uh, do you know if showbiz was a uh, predominantly southern restaurant? Like, I know they opened 200 and some restaurants. Um, I think so, but I'm not sure. So, like, I know. Also, they're, they're like logistics and like their bottom line has to be so insane. Well, that like on paper, you're like, all right, guys, this week we got to sell fucking four million pizzas. <laughs> like, how the fuck? <laughs> but, you know, like, so if the animatronics weren't so expensive, I think Showbiz Pizza Place would be you know, yeah. still doing what they're doing and not have. Uh, it's a smart idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, look at Rainforest Cafe. Like, People love yeah. it. I mean, it's a tourist trap. It's 
I don't think it's a particularly yeah. great restaurant, but people love it. Mm, or like a Jimmy Buffett or some shit. It's like an experience. Yeah, right. So I want to like this showbiz place was probably I'm assuming before all of those. So it's neat in their marketing that they're like, why don't we just do like a little mini Walt Disney World everywhere? And they're like, right. holy shit. Yeah, that's like, pretty cool. I I've only been to uh, Chuck E. Cheese a, a handful of times when I was young, so I don't really remember. But I mean, like for adults, you got Dave and Buster's and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Christian, yeah. have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza? <laughs> I've been to a Chuck E. Cheese once. Um, pretty forgettable experience. I think I was like eleven or twelve, but yeah, nothing spectacular. I never went back. But you, so I mean, like, and and I, I think like if if we had if it had been more prevalent here, uh, man, I th- I think that would have been a cool experience like like the way these guys describe it is the mm-hmm. way you know i feel about a few things that you know i want to to take for not from necessarily my childhood but for my life and i want to take it and separate and be like yeah you know i really love this thing and i, I want to put mm-hmm. it over here and i want to yeah um you know for me it's more sports stuff um yeah like i, I don't think we've talked uh, prior but like Baseball radio is one of my favorite things in the world. If I could find a way to like showcase baseball radio somewhere in my house, I, I probably would. And these guys really love showbiz pizza or maybe not even showbiz yeah. pizza. They just love the fucking band. <laughs> yeah. Man, I um, wonder what the ratio of uh, kids that went there and just got freaked out and were just like, no, nah, man. This is like I don't I don't get this and it's creepy, so that would have been kind of humorous if they talked to people that were like, "Oh man, I went there when I was four and like, fuck that bear, so, that just creeped me out." I mean, the one guy interviewed did say that, right? Like he said he walked. Oh in yeah, yeah. And uh, he saw it and he just got freaked out and ran away. And yeah, if it wasn't for his grandmother being a few steps behind, he probably would have ran right at the door. Yeah, we paid a lot of money. You're like ah. <laughs> That was Travis. He is the webmaster for the Showbiz Archival website. Oh yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. That's I was surfing that website uh, all this week because it it really is yeah. accurate. And not that I know objectively that it's accurate, but compared to what I've seen in the doc and what else I've seen just floating around the internet, it's mm-hmm. it's spot on. It's a really good archive, and I think it just comes from uh, their passion. It's still an active website? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so I would like to, to do a little bit of a... Uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a little bit of a... Not test, but... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but let's go through the cast of characters okay. and uh, and get your opinions on the cast characters. So first... Uh, okay. <laughs> first and foremost, there's Chris Thrash. So this guy... Loved Showbiz Pizza so much that he went out mm-hmm. and bought the band. He literally yeah, has good. a full rock of fire explosion set up in what appears to be a garage. Well, that um, is what you do. Yeah. So, Mitch, your thoughts on Chris Thrash? What? Uh... <laughs> That's pretty fucking weird. And I think everyone that they profile in this documentary from like the guy who came up with the idea, but like everybody, I was like, man, these are some weird fucking people. So, so Chris, like they just look weird. They just have weird vibes. And I was like, ah, I so don't know. Chris thrash. Like, do, so again, like I said, he loves us so much that he's kind yeah. of like built a whole life around it. Is there anything you yeah. love as much that you would, Build like a shrine in your house towards. Nah, uh, I mean I kind of get it. Because life cool. itself. Well, yeah, but, sure. But you you have yeah. to you have to. Oh yeah, love I'm weird. Something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. You have to. But no, no, no. I I get I get that aspect of it. But it's just something that it was like, man, this is so weird. And I guess if you can afford it, like if it's something that he has this, but he can only like, it affects his like electrical bill. Cause it costs so much money. And like his kids don't have food. They're like, I mean, or like 
he doesn't have food or you know what I mean? Like he can't pay his bills because he's doing this. And like, that's pretty fucked up. Right. I mean, if he can afford it, then like whatever, dude. And and it seems that he can. It'd be funny if his neighbors were like, man, he plays with that fucking band so loud at like midnight. Fuck that shit. (laughs) No, he said, "Ah, he said he doesn't really know his neighbors, only his next door neighbor. Really? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) well, and also everyone in this just seemed like such gullible social people. It's like, whew. I don't know, man. This stock just really got me. That I was like, all these people. So it got you in a way that you, I'm not into them. you like it or you didn't like it? I really care less about yeah. this. Yeah. Like it was it, the showbiz pizza thing, like I was saying, with the marketing of everything, it was, it kind of hit at a time that was perfect because with like animatronics in movies and those kids growing up seeing like, oh shit, I saw a fucking ET or like, shit like that on the movie and now I can kind of see it with my own eyes and like that was emerging technology I guess yeah so, so Christian what what was your take on Chris Thrash um I I think that this can kind of go for each of the subjects of the film that they I I don't know how else to say this and I I apologize if I'm wrong but I think that these people have uh, some kind of developmental delay. I I don't want to say that it's pretty obvious, but it's pretty obvious that these people have uh, not a neurotypical makeup. So this doc was really hard for me to watch because, uh, first of all, it was kind of shittily done. The editing was kind of poor. The video quality was pretty raw in a bad way. And the subject matter was contentious in that there are two ways that this could have been done in a mocking way because, like has been talked, these people are pretty fucking weird. Um, That's pretty rude, (laughs) admittedly. Uh, I know a lot of people who have weird hobbies. And yeah, well, um, there's if like if this was a guy in my town, um, I wouldn't... I wouldn't go and hang out there because I would probably think it was a little strange and I wouldn't want to lead him on or like lead them on into that. This is something that should be happening. Um, and then in another hand, if this documentary was done with all earnest heartfelt motivations, um, well, then that's just fine. But I kind of agree with Mitch. I couldn't care less that if this was done by the director because he's also kind of a fan of Rock of Fire, all the power to you. I'm not going to tear someone down because their hobby is not my hobby. And it just, it's, it felt like it was leaning more towards a mocking side. And one piece of evidence that I'll cite for that is during the credits after the actual doc ends they do outtakes and uh, Chris is talking about his age and he makes a mistake but then they uh, cut to one of the other subjects I think his name was Mike Um, he's just he's sitting back down and he's like if you ask me another one of those questions this interview is over what the fuck was that question I I think that was a joke because he kind of I don't think it was he kind of chuckles when he says it uh, I think that that's a defense mechanism for people like this. Instead of getting angry, uh, well, every- they they have to laugh it off because everyone laughs at them, and you can't fight every battle. So uh, you laugh nervously. Yeah, but- well, every- everybody. I, I knows don't take that, that from um, rock bands. At some point, get so famous. So maybe the Rock of Fire explosion just got so famous that they just had to start having sex with kids, and maybe that's what he asked. Uh, that get that's another part of this too is that. Uh, Aaron Fector is not any different than these people. He's just high functioning. And I think he's fairly focused when it comes to something that he has a passion about. But on the other hand, he openly admitted unbashfully on camera that his wife now was underage when he started to no. engage her. No, he said, no, she, no, he said she was too the, young like, for him. He didn't say yeah. she was underage. Said she was too young for him. I think, uh, I yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's uh, not I'll, how that went. I'll fight that to, yeah. to the tooth and nail. He said 
She, well, I mean, hey, Tyler, wait a right. second. We're not like friends with the guy, so no, 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 I wouldn't but, go. But, that, that's but I get li- what you're saying. That's literally I'm just what you, he said. I'm saying, maybe let's not lawyer up. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's literally just what he said, though. He said, uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah this girl, Christine. and he said, uh, you know, she's probably too young for me. And she is. Like, yeah. he's probably in his 50s. She's probably in her 30s. Like, there's a 20-year gap there at the point um, where this movie came out. Yeah. That... Uh, might be true for sure. I mean, like I'm willing to concede that fact. This isn't really important to me, No. but even still, um, I think that there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of inappropriate behavior on his behalf, but the whole interview was pretty weird. I think he's just, yes. I think he engaged someone who, uh, also is maybe not neurotypical and that's just, that's totally a visual call based on this doc but yeah i just um i found this one hard to watch because i couldn't shake it from my head that this was first of all kind of a poorly done documentary and it was done in a way that seemed to mock the people in it so if you look i at- guess what i was saying was a smarter like christian just articulated it way better but yeah maybe that's why i was like creeped out about this or like these people are weird because i was like oh if if you look at brett whitcomb's um instagram which uh I followed since we picked this. Like he does post a lot of pictures about like this type of thing. Um, so I, I really don't think it was done uh, in a mocking way. Um, well, he just keeps talking about his age gap with no, his girlfriend. No, Brett Wickham, the director. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got confused. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the second picture on his, uh, on his Instagram is, but yeah, a, maybe he's interested. yeah. Um, is a, picture of a bunch of stuffed animals in a, in a, in a like, looks like a row of chairs. And like there's old restaurants. Like it looks like he's living in the eighties. Uh, so, so I do genuinely think that, uh, that he has uh, a, you know, there's a lot of pictures from him in the eighties. Um, yeah. I, I think he genuinely has uh, an interest in, uh, uh, in this 1980s. story. Yeah. Like, you know, hmm. There's a lot of kids that grew up in the 80s that are, you know, for lack of better words, trapped in the 80s. Like, they love 80s wrestling. They love 80s uh, cartoons and, um, you know, comics, stuff like that, right? And I think... Yeah, that's true. And I think the 80s more so than than any other decade. Like, you know, you don't see any, uh, or you don't see many, um, you know, out on the surface, you know, people that grew up in the 60s and they walk around in you know, hippie garb or, or whatever, right? Like, I, I think the 80s is one of those decades that, you know, people um, love to kind of show off their love of the 80s. Like, uh, you know, I know, you know, Mitch, you have a pretty eclectic uh, um, collection of stuff, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I would say, you know, you have quite a few 80s things. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, Are we assuming that Mitch also isn't like this? <laughs> Dude, I'd have a fucking robotic bunch of guys so, that smash on drums and shit. So I, I'm gonna throw this Man, out there. Fuck the two of you. Fuck you both. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm, I'm gonna I throw this. Play with my robotic robot named Jim. I'm gonna throw this out there. If I had the space for it and my wife would let me, I would. For sure, if because no. you married a sane person, she wouldn't. So no, but good on her. I would continue. I would build. <laughs> A little mock-up like baseball stadium in my ba- in my backyard. I think that okay, would be the coolest sick. fucking thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. But and what's yeah, so different okay. about? I'm down. But what's so different about uh, loving uh, the Rock of Fire Explosion band? Okay, a couple of things. If you do that, you're outside. You're being active. But no, no. I guess just those two things. Not, but. No, I'm not talking yeah. about like a real like playable diamond. I'm talking you about just like, have a mini. Yeah, like a mini feel. Like I, I built. Can you a, just look at it. Yeah, I think that would be the coolest thing ever. I, I built. Dude, a, if you had mini, why wouldn't you like employ a bunch of midgets to play baseball? No, not even that big. Like just very like um. Very, oh, come like, on, shoot for the fucking moon, Tyler. Um, shoot for the. I moon. built a patio in my backyard, and at one point, it kind of took the shape of a ball diamond. I was like. Oh, you know, I would love to just build like, like a mock-up of Wrigley Field or something, right? Like, uh, build the yeah. ivy wall over here and and the stands yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, 
I think that would actually be, that would be a really that would be a really good one. Yeah, but but most people would probably find that weird, or that, that's a really stupid hobby to have. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. so if you were to have that hobby employed with Led Zeppelin, but you built little robot representations of like Robert Plant and John Bonham, and they had really kind of scary latex makeup, and they were two feet tall and they were on a stage and they had like muscles and shit under their blouses that they stole from girls. I think that that um, would veer. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think that that would veer more towards the, the strangeness behind their affinity for Rockafire that Rockafire specifically was for children. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So put it this way, I guess like would, would it be strange to see someone build a replica of the Hello Kitty cartoon set or Barney in their backyard and then they sit out there each night and like drink Mountain Dew, not trying to slander Chris Thrash or anything, but like these these are things that uh, are the trademarks of people who maybe can't, literally cannot grow up and it's not their fault. This is just who they are and... Uh, I just don't, I don't know that that is the trademark of a fully mature adult that of course you can like things. Of course you're allowed to like rock a fire. It's funny as shit. I mean, like the covers that they've put out on YouTube and the explosion uh, on the internet has been marvelous. It takes real technical skill to be able to program and uh, manipulate these robots. Like no doubting that, but um to spend like $15,000 and have that be the sole hinge that your life flips around on, that's that's maybe pushing it. Um, if they were to have gone to college and built this all themselves because it's just an avenue for the application of their skills, uh, that's that's different because there's something first. That's not Rockafire, it's mechanics. I don't think Chris Thrash's motivation is pneumatics or engineering or computer programming. I think his motivation is Rockafire, and he does these things secondarily to feed that passion. But that passion is seated within uh, a child's imagination. And I think the same goes with Aaron. I agree that you know his motivation is first and foremost Rockafire. I just don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think, you know, holding on to something from your childhood I, yeah. is is fantastic. Um, no, yeah. same. Um, I guess <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, that's that's exactly my point. Is that this documentary seems to be able to be done in two different ways? That either this was done with uh, a parallel passion from the director, or it was done as a spectacle piece of the eighties, regardless, um, yeah. you can love the eighties, but you could also make fun of the eighties because you like it so much. You think that you have allowance or a license to do so. I like the eighties so much that like, look at these fucking guys who are from the eighties. Isn't that weird? I just, I think that this was almost like the bridge for me that because I don't know. And because I've not talked to the director, it just, it rides that line of maybe being inappropriate and that how valuable is this documentary if something like the website exists and YouTube with all the archival and modern footage, this documentary is very unnecessary unless you're a fan or unless you did it to mock. Yeah. It kind of seemed like a 60 minutes thing too. Like, Oh, the people in the Midwest are doing this wacky thing. Let's go Uh, talk to them. And and I see it. Yeah, true. I think I had that feel. I just kind of step back from be like, you know, it's a, it's a fun little story to tell. To be honest, I didn't know a lot about, you know, Showbiz Pizza Place and, you know, what happened yeah. with uh, with Chuck E. Cheese and, and whatnot. Um, so I think, yeah, from that standpoint, it was, I was just... Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. I liked it. Like, I, I found it kind of um, uh, shocking <laughs> to the system because, I don't know, like, the actual animation of these characters is um, maybe off-putting or just, like, a little bit creepy for me like their expressions and their movements but i'm a child of like the late 90s 2000s so this to me is 
uh, old news. <laughs> There's nothing special about this. It's just kind of like dredging up an old stream and so that you, was. Yeah. Like uh, I remember going to uh, like Walt Disney world in like the early nineties and Ooh. like thinking that was like phenomenal. Like, and I mean, obviously uh, Walt Disney world is a little bit more advanced than um, these robots, but extremely advanced anyways for, for their age and, and uh, time that they were put out. Um, but yeah, yeah, like going through those rides and like Pirates of the Caribbean saying like going through that and seeing the uh, like these dioramas set up and like stories being told with these animatronic characters. I think that was the funnest thing ever. And maybe that's just, yeah, like a product of my my age, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's cool as shit. And Leah, it leads me to think some really cool things about what Aaron Fector could have done. Cause like clearly he's talented. Like he's not a dumb guy, not at all. Um, he's going like, to solve the energy crisis. He said that. Yeah. So do you guys know anything about that energy crisis comment? No. Why is he like, what's the D that you see? He's absolutely serious. Uh, so he developed in like 2003, uh, product that he was calling hydrillium. Okay. It's uh, gas that's more or less based on uh, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. Okay. So you would uh, run electrolysis on a vat of water and then blowtorch the top of it. To mm-hmm. So electrolysis would split H2O into hydrogen and oxygen, and then you would burn off the oxygen and capture simply uh, hydrogen. But mm-hmm. then you would trap it in a storage tank, like the oxyacetylene typical welding containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hydrogen, carbon, and iron or steel has a really strange property together. There's a chemical breakdown, and hydrogen operates at, on an atomic level so small that it seeps into the grain of the steel itself on a molecular level and then it expands because it collects itself through cohesion mm-hmm. so it like it shares electrons and then it expands into its liquid form again literally cracking steel and then it just shatters it tears open these steel pressure tanks like an envelope uh, so he started to develop this uh, as a fuel beginning with restaurants. Uh, you could like cook burgers and steaks and shit on hydrillium. But he didn't maybe do enough science. Like he had a really good idea. It's extremely not cost effective and it it wouldn't have solved the energy crisis. Because um, this is fairly well-known science that carbon, hydrogen, and steel or iron can't yeah. be mixed. They're, they're very difficult. Um, and that's one of the main problems. Like hydrogen is a fantastic energy uh, matter, material, but it's difficult to store because it tears apart steel and like what else are you going to use <laughs> under yeah. that kind of pressure? Um, so he had two huge explosions in Florida. Uh, yeah, one blew out the side of the restaurant that he was supplying hydrillium to as a test site. God damn. Yeah, there were 12 tanks inside the restaurant, and I believe two of them teared open, tore open. And uh, yeah, no it, like died? nobody died, thank God. Holy oh. fuck. Um, yeah, the restaurant was fucked. It like knocked out one of the sidewalls and blew the roof off. Um, Dude, that's insane. Yeah, like just Google Hydrillium when you get a chance. It's actually, it's a fucking interesting story because... Oh. This like it was all developed with Aaron Fector's inventor attitude, and it just so what you said about Walt Disney World is that Aaron, I think, similar to someone with ADHD, they just get wicked focused on shit, mm-hmm. and if that's coupled with love for anything, mm-hmm. um, it's unbreakable. So when he was mentioning the story about the copyright claims, where he had the chance to give up the character rights. Um, or he can watch his rock of fire explosion die. Uh, he didn't, but imagine if he had have, and then just maybe moved on, continued to try to work with these people. Uh, but then he worked at somewhere like Walt Disney. Like he's such a valuable creator and inventor and he's got so much energy and motivation. Um, it was just applied maybe in a, a dead end field 
that was moving very fast, like robotics in the 80s. Holy shit. Like yeah. I we should do a, an episode on that because it's nuts. But well, I think he, yeah, he just was uh passionate and unrelentingly misguided. So yeah, like what Tyler was saying about the going to Walt Disney World of like, I don't know if I would like I've never been to Walt Disney World, but like I don't know if I'd be like, oh shit, this is cool what the animatronics are doing. But the documentary on Disney Plus, like Imagineering or whatever of the team of people that designed all that shit is like that stuff's super interesting to me because they're like being told to design and develop shit that's not even really a thing and they're like yeah like you don't have a budget like just fucking go do what you need to do and so yeah this guy getting into that system and like oh man you could have done some cool stuff so, yeah, he could have had a real strong legacy with a big company and he maybe not would have like destroyed his life and a couple of other people's. So before we uh, give Aaron Fector too much love, uh, in the IMDb trivia, it says, in the years since this movie came out, Aaron has burned bridges with almost everybody in it. He has since been struggling financially and now depends largely on raising lawsuits against fans. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, um, wow. There was a collaboration with him and another YouTuber called, um, I don't want to give this guy any fucking airtime, but I, I have to say his name, um, The Carpetbagger. He's a guy from New York. Uh, Carpetbagging was the practice of the end of the Revolution, or not the Revolutionary War, um, the Confederate War, when those... Civil, the Civil War, Civil. whatever. Hey. <laughs> the Civil War, fair enough, that's better. Um, that they would one side. They were Northerners, particularly New York. They would come down into the South and pressure landowners in the South to pay their taxes, and they would up the taxes like crazy. Uh, and then they would be sent around to collect mm-hmm. or out, like buy them out of their land really cheaply. Um, yeah, so this is kind of gross that uh, this guy's name is Carpetbagger, but whatever. He is from New York and goes down to the South and he just loves all things South, but he's a real fucking asshole and accuses people extremely unjustly and often of being pedophiles and of like rape and shit. What the so, fuck? yeah. And Aaron Fector has decided to uh, partner with this guy. He made a doll, like an effigy of this guy in plush. Uh, they were selling for $111 on eBay. What the fuck? Yeah, which is too much for any fucking plush, especially a, like a, a newly manufactured one about a small time YouTuber. Did um, we just stumble on some like uh, tickle type situation where we're like, oh, this is kind of neat. And then like, oh man, this hole goes like six miles deep. Like what the fuck? Did yeah, it's not good. Up? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So um, he has Dang. slandered a lot of people, Aaron Vector. He created his YouTube channel for Rock of Fire. And made it a premium subscription. Um, It was really expensive too. It was like a hundred bucks. And the content was uh, mediocre at best, we'll say. But he would openly try to vet people before they bought these dolls and before they became members. What? Uh, Yeah, so that they wouldn't become bullies to him and the carpet bagger. Which is strange, right? Because if you sell something to someone and they decide to fuck you around with that product, you still took their money. Like, you're winning. You took their money. Yeah, well, you take their money and then you berate them. So that's just a win-win for you. Precisely, yeah. No so, yeah, like the burning bridges and uh, whatnot is oh, is precisely true. Also, I guess about Chris Thrash, um, he has since been forced or maybe chose to sell his show he doesn't own it anymore. Oh, really? No, that's not that's not thrash like. Yeah. Well, guess who he sold it to? Thrasher Magazine. Aaron Fector. Oh. He sold it back to him, and I believe that show uh, that was owned by Chris Thrash was sent to South Korea for a restaurant. Oh man, why not a little north? That would have been tight. Yeah, pretty cool. Imagine if Kim Jong bought one of these. Yeah. Check out that'd my be cool. cool robotic bear. You ever seen one of these before? Yeah, that'd be fucking sweet. I just want to eat rice. Or I just want food. Like, yeah. Check out this bear <laughs> dance. Like, so it, yeah. Also about Chris Thrash. Oh, that'd be um, great. He opened his own restaurant and he called it uh, Showbiz Pizza Zone. What? Uh, yeah, opened in 2008 and... Uh, he had like a pizza buffet, all you can eat. There was, he brought his show 
to the restaurant. He opened it in uh, Phoenix City, like his his hometown, where that inter- like where the dock took place for him. And yeah, uh, it closed in 2010, I believe, for financial reasons that oh, it was oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, this wasn't already a dying business, so he decides to break into it and kill it more. But wow. yeah, a real shame, admittedly. Yeah. So. He made it, Chris Thrash made an appearance on uh, Last Call with Carson Daly at one point. Oh. You know, I tried to find that video and I can't. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think the director was there, Brett Wickham. Carson Daly yeah. got his shit on lock. Mm. Maybe um, I, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you guys bum me out yeah. now. You guys bum me out. <laughs> Why? Well, this is a great story. <laughs> well, everything you're saying, Christian, is totally kind of hitting the nail on the head. And I'm like, man, I feel like we're just really ripping on these people. But like, whatever. I but w- yeah. I was a little not, worried to do like this episode. Up stories because you're like, dude, this is what this guy did. You're like, well, that's crazy. And well, yeah, and well, that's also crazy. It is just a shame too because um, I think that there's a lot of undiagnosed uh, medical history here that. Really, it's a shame to talk about without any kind of uh, confidence. Like, this is all conjecture. We could be wrong. Like, this story could be fucking beautiful, but it just doesn't feel like that. We need to get ourselves, like, an in-house psychologist to watch docs like this with us. So we can Mm. be like, oh, that guy, this is what's wrong with him. Like, this dude, probably, his dad probably beat the shit out of him every other Tuesday. (laughs) That's actually against the law for the APA, the American Psychology Association. You can't make claims unless you have sat down and done a uh, consultation. That's why there was so many psychologists asked about Trump, and nobody fucking spoke up because Mm. they would lose their license. Well, but you don't think behind closed doors, if you're friends with a psychologist, he'd be like, uh, yeah, dude, he's fucking crazy. Hell yeah. So that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. So maybe not on record, but like, okay, just, yeah, yeah. Just to watch like privately. Yeah, potentially. Like, oh, yeah, this guy. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's a guy, I don't know if you know about this, Mitch, but there's a guy in uh, my hometown, Napanee, our hometown, that, well, not yours actually, I guess, but Napanee. Anyways, um, they have cordoned off their whole backyard to make a wolf compound, like uh, the animal, the wolf. Yeah. Have you seen this thing? Yeah, dude. It's pretty friggin' sweet, but have yeah. you ever been there like more than once? I've just biked by a few times, but I remember when I first moved to Napanee and was like going to the skate park and shit and just meeting people and they'd be like, oh yeah, when I was younger, like going to school, there would be a thing where they're like, oh, the wolves got out. So, like, kind of just pay attention. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. just thought that was so... And, like, I grew up in the country where I was like, hold up. Like, I never... That was never an issue for me. And we're kind of in, like, a, like a, a town with, like, a couple thousand people. How the fuck is that a thing? You're like, ah, it just happens. You're like, oh, it, yeah. What the when, fuck? Um, when Chris Thrash was in his backyard and he was talking to his neighbors about like those kids who came over and did the chicken dance and shit, yeah. that's what came to mind. I was like, holy fuck. If this was in my town, yeah. would I, even as a kid, like would I hang out there? Probably not because no. in my town, there was a wolf sanctuary like in the town and yeah. I still didn't hang out there. But, I did take people there almost every time I figured out that they were new to town uh, to be like, holy fuck, you know what Napanee yeah. has? This yeah. one weird family who yeah. has decided to capture wolves and uh, keep them within the city limits. And we would go by and it was this real kind of almost like an event. Yeah, like You're biking down the street and everyone's asking questions. They're like, are they real? Yeah. Like, do they howl at the moon and shit? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I don't hang out here. But isn't it weird? On a full moon on like the 13th, they turn into people. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, they chill in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that if Chris, like Chris Thrash, I think exists in a similar light in his own town that of course this isn't somewhere where all the dads come by after work and they drink beer with Chris and they fucking program booty, 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 rock them all around and shit. Oh man, can you get your robot to shake his ass a little bit? That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't drink beer. But I think it's a spectacle as well. He doesn't drink beer. He only drinks Mountain Dew. Oh. No, but the neighbors, the neighbors, the neighbors are drinking beer. (laughs) 
I know. I just yeah. said to, I just had to bring that up. A plug for Mountain Dew. He says he only. <laughs> oh yeah. Drinks, he does yeah, not. Everyone drink, knows that the Pepsi Corporation is struggling, so he does every not, shout yeah. out really helps them. He does not drink water. He does not drink milk. He does not drink alcohol or do drugs. He just drinks Mountain Dew. That's over, a good goddamn American right there. Over, That's what that is. Over two liters a day. <laughs> My man. My I know that this was like man. a little. This was like an expose on this. A uh, strange happening uh, about Rockfire, but that kind of shit is what made me question the motivation of the documentarian because that has absolutely nothing to do with Rockfire, and it almost has nothing to do with Chris too. Well, yeah, I think you you want to learn like I think movies are all about character development, right? And I think like as much as yeah, you may disagree, I think. <laughs> no, introducing the viewer to the character. Like, I felt like I knew Chris Lamar. It didn't really matter that it was Mountain Dew. It could have said, you know, I, I drink 10 liters of water a day. But it's just seeing his personality, right? Yeah, and I guess that that's what makes me question it is that fact, is that what is this documentary about? Is it about people who like Rock of Fire? Or is it about Rock of Fire I think as an object? I think it's about both. I think it's about Rock of Fire explosion and the people who love it. Right. Um, so I guess those two things, if it is about those two things, uh, Mountain Dew is still irrelevant. No, it, it's about the people that uh, love it. Like he, there's. He it was, makes sense that he would drink that much Mountain Dew. He was talking about himself, and <laughs> and he was talking about like, all the glasses he has are are showbiz pizza glasses, and he was constantly. This glass right here has never seen a drop of goddamn water. And he constantly had a mug in his hand and it always had Mountain Dew in it. So I think that's just kind of an insight to his personality, insight to his his being. It, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, oh, I will never no. deny that. But Do isn't, you think? I don't think it was done oh, in a sorry, mocking way, though. Um, no. Uh, well, I think that just the, the inclusion of it could be seen as like, isn't this fucking weird? And I, I can't shake that that is a part of why this exists, or at least why that piece was included. Before we move on about the Mountain Dew, I have one more quick question. For the authenticity of it, do you think he drinks, like, shitty fountain Mountain Dew or, like, gets the two liters? Because if he's a real OG, he would get the syrup and have the whole machine. So how into this showbiz are you? I know. <laughs> how into do you think he is? I think he's just buying bottled Mountain Dew. Bro, become a fucking pro. And, and that I mean, because that would got, be the taste. The taste of your childhood is that shitty fucking. There's no way they're ripping open two liters and showbiz pizza. That's true. That's true. It'd be funny if like fountain cola was a thing in like the 90s, so it wasn't even an 80s thing. I'm like, <laughs> ah, fuck. There it goes. That being said, <laughs> <that's> the <word. laughs> I, I open up two liters. I love fountain uh, pop. Oh, man, you fucking communist. It's so gross. <laughs> Dude, when I went to the States and had fountain pop with little bits of ice, I was enraged. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so gross. Uh, yeah, no, I I love it. Like, uh, oh, I love fountain pop. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just a thing in my childhood. I worked at the movie theater when I was in high school and drank a ton of fountain oh, pop. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, then if you had, a, like, a movie theater in your house... That's pretty cool. It is different though, isn't it? Like it, it rides a really like, strange line. That's more interactive or we could get more entertainment out of that. Cause like, if you had the robots, you're like, I'm going to play a song. Okay. And then like, Hey guys, you got to come back like six months later so I can program another song. But <laughs> yeah. Different, different movie stroke. theater. Just fucking watch as many movies as you want. Different strokes for different folks. Right. Like I, I would love to turn my, my basement into um, some kind of like, man cave like sports hall memorabilia or sports memorabilia hall like that has something yeah. cool in it that like i think that would be awesome like what about people who mm -hmm. who collect old pinball machines like sure you can play them but mm -hmm. you know I, I i don't know i i just don't find it as, as weird as you guys i guess i don't maybe i'm the weird well one. here's a weird <laughs> one i always thought it'd be hilarious and really cool to have a bunch of mannequins just throughout my house <laughs> just doing random things See, there you and go. people would think that's like beyond fucking weird and yeah, i would just, just think it's hilarious that's creepy like give them names and personalities and stuff <laughs> right then like yeah if we were to do a doc about that um 
<laughs> I yeah, might be saying the same shit. Oh, absolutely. You'd be like, this guy's <laughs> fucked up. I guess, but like, here's the thing: is that you got the money to do it. Um, but the Dude, fact that you don't you're understand, not, you don't understand how much a full mannequin is, though. Like, yeah, they're like twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, they're quite pricey. I've looked, and like um, the bustier ones are even more. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> they're so rare. <laughs> yeah, I gotta um, pretend I'm a store. It's it's not a weird hobby. I think just how it is done is. Um, it raises a lot of questions as to maybe these people's mental fitness. And that's not a bad thing either. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I, I know that we had a lot of like uh, disagreements about the bridge and it, it feels like we kind of disagree about this one, but in terms of a documentary, um, I think that this one, I would just need to talk to the, the director and the producer, but also, um, simply objectively if they were going for a really raw and um like quick and dirty because this wasn't even a feature length like this was long it was an hour and 11 minutes um yeah but I, think, I don't I think, think anything, anything, a feature. yeah anything over an hour's feature length oh okay um so this just makes the mark but i don't Ooh, another shot damn <laughs> all over the place like, i I, I don't know the chronology of the director's work. Maybe, so, like, was this one of his first ones? So here it says uh, the writer... And, so the writer and the uh, director are both... They seem like friends. Like, uh, they both grew up in Houston. Mm -hmm. Never work with friends. Never they, work with friends. They, they both, both grew up in Houston. Uh, so Bradford Thomason mm -hmm. wrote the, the movie uh, and Brett Wickham um, directed it. So they're heavily heavily inspired by the raw personal styles of films like Hands on a Hard Body and Dancing Outlaw while making this film. So I've never seen either of those movies, but if that's something they were trying to emulate, um, I get it. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. it was like one of their first movies. Definitely, let me bring up Brett Whitcomb's uh, page here. So that would definitely justify uh, maybe why the introduction to this whole thing seemed like the whole documentary. It could have been like five minutes long. Yeah, because it was a bunch like of like five minutes. Because it really, yeah, it was weird. The, yeah. Like there was a bunch of text blocks to like spell out the whole story of yeah. Rockafire and Creative. Obviously, not in all the detail, but um, like this thing could have been like a YouTube short because it was all cut to '80s music and montage, but with text block telling the story, and then it breaks into the actual footage, but the footage is kind of shaky and the direction is uh, questionable. And then I guess one last point that really hit me in terms of the actual content that we get to see on screen was the music video at the end. I think it's called um, uh, Sunny Days or like Happy, Happy Sunday, something or other. Anyway, it was the music video that the band did. Um, the camera work to catch that music video was uh, amateur, I think, like at best. And there was one point where they did a physical close-up of the bass drum that said explosion or rock fire at Ludwig, right? And then it was like an animated explosion on the skin of the bass drum. The camera caught itself... Uh, with its shadow, and then it backed away quickly and it changed its angle without actually cutting tape. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, you are making a feature-length uh, documentary and you kept that footage in? That's, like, you can get raw, real footage and not be kind of dumb about it. Like, we would never make that mistake. We've got stuff on the go now, and I guarantee you that if we saw that, we'd be like, fuck, no, we like we got to retake it because it just it just looks like shit. It looks like someone coming out of high school making a film. So, it But as a drummer, did you not think it was cool as fuck that <laughs> drums explode? And you're like, we're going to use that technique somehow. So it yeah, was like, we will. We can for you. We can do that. It was, we their, got you. It was their first uh, first movie. Um, okay. But, and I think, like, of, again, I, I, get it. I, I okay. haven't, I haven't seen um, those two movies that it referenced. Um, but yeah. What else like, has he done? Well, there's uh, 
Uh, one called Glow, the story of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that was on uh, Netflix. Yeah, but like he did the show or he did the documentary? Documentary in 2012. Oh, cool. The documentary is actually pretty cool. Like I don't give a fuck about wrestling, but it's just like lady wrestlers and yeah. how it was like, yeah, this guy really is into the 80s, man. And uh, then he did uh, County Fair, cool. County Fair, Texas. Um, basically, it uh, explores a year in the lives of four kids from rural Texas as they raise animals to show at a local county fair. Oh. Um, hmm. a, a life prize in, is a lynching. A life in waves. Uh, so, no, okay, let's let that pass. <laughs> an exploration of the life and innovations of composer and electronic music premier, uh, pioneer Suzanne Ciani. Okay. And then there was a TV documentary series called QB1 Beyond the Lights. So basically it's oh, high school football. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've kind of seen that. Yeah. Then there was That's cool. Heavy Fury versus versus Schwartz. Uh, it was a short. It was only 35 minutes. And then mm-hmm. there's Jasper Mall. It's about like the decaying um, infrastructure of uh, a dying shopping mall in the u.s that could be interesting that could be cool yeah so i've seen some of his stuff yeah. that's cool jasper mall was done last year and then they did another nice. short uh called the marsh gordon um but i don't know if it's a documentary or not okay it's just a short so it might be a um drama I, i'm not sure cool. yeah <laughs> but yeah cool. so like i said i haven't seen those other two movies that referenced um so they could have very well been shot that way. Maybe that's what they were trying to um, recreate. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. I've never seen them. Yeah, and, and in their so. And, and I will say for their first, like you know, shooting a, a documentary isn't <clears throat> cheap. Like, um, especially if you have no funding. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you know mm-hmm. that was just a shot they got. They didn't realize it at the time when they shot it, and they said, "Well, fuck it. That's all we have." Yeah. Uh, do you guys think it would have been more entertaining to have not have the title cards and if they had it in the budget to get some like famous voice of the 80s to do the voiceovers? No, I don't think so. No? But I mean, again, I, I think uh, um, I, I like it. Like I like the documentary the way it is. And, and, and I think again, yeah. like Christian brought up the bridge. Um, and I think I just give people more benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's just my personality. Um, Cause I, I like know, the, uh, I like the connection of a movie about suicide and then a documentary about <laughs> fucking kids no. being entertained. No, but like, you but know, I get, I get what he's saying. It's just funny that the reference is like, yeah. Oh, what's that about? Like a uh, suicide. Like, God damn. I okay. gave, I gave, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, the director of the bridge, that he wasn't trying to sensationalize suicide, and you know, in his own way, was trying to to further the topic of of suicide. Um, yeah, man. Whatever happens, happens. And, and I think this one, like the guy, was just uh, yeah, like he he has a, a love for showbiz pizza and maybe the '80s itself as a whole, and, yeah. and want to showcase that, and you know, I. I I don't personally think he was he was trying to mock anyone, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, watching this, like I I saw it in two different lenses. That was one of them, but the other one was that this was this was totally innocent. That he just has a real affinity for eighties culture, and this is included, so he doesn't want to let it slip into obscurity. And it's just quirky enough, even if the people weren't quirky. Like the whole thing is just kind of. Uh, an oddity in and of itself so it's got to be entertaining in some respect Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like it totally could have been like that and i know that i'm kind of shitting on it but um kind of (laughs) (laughs) i i think i am a little bit more critical than than both of you guys in this respect in almost every documentary i think i I hit people a little bit harder and I scrutinize a little bit closer like robert and ebert i'm gonna fucking punch you in the head just be like (laughs) shut up (laughs) <laughs> we brought you into this asshole we brought you into this it could just yeah. be Kyler and I motherfucker it, <laughs> it could be and I and I just think unless there's something like really glaringly wrong like I just take movies like even like like actual like dramatized movies like 
people are like, oh, that movie was utter shit. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It entertained me for an hour and a half. Like, that's that's really all I want from a movie. Sure, there's there's yeah. fantastic, there's great movies, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot of time, like when people say, oh, that movie was was trash, or like, yeah, uh, an example, like my wife and a friend of mine thought it was absolutely asinine that I was watching Borat, and I thought Borat, the new Borat, was hilarious. Whoa, said, that, that's so stupid. That, that why would you watch that garbage? And then I watched uh, the uh, Eric Andre. Mm-hmm. Um, the new one, the hidden camera. One. Oh, why would you? Yeah, want bad trip. And, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it it entertained me for an hour and a half or however long it was. So I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I I asked. The for. next thing that you should watch in front of them is the Amazing Racist. They'll really yeah <laughs> understand. Yeah, it's good shit. Um, those things are they're so um, <laughs> like culturally aware of themselves though. Um, And I think that maybe that's a subtle point that I have neglected to raise is that this documentary seemed to be very aware of the strangeness of its content and it accentuated it based on its choice of editing. Right. That may be one of the reasons why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling is because like Eric Andre, very smart guy. Um, Sacha Baron Cohen, also very smart guy. His resume is fucking erudite as shit. Um, but this this seemed to be of the same level of intimacy of knowledge of their subjects, but they deployed it on screen uh, less sensitively and um, uh, with less of uh, less of just compassion, I think. There was compassion by putting them on screen. Like Chris Thrash being on camera is awesome for Chris Thrash, but it's even more sensational for the director because he's like, this guy is going to make people, uh, like it's going to blow their minds at what this guy does with his free time. And that that is like the essence of mocking is basically uh, making a spectacle of someone beyond their awareness of it. You basically make a fool of them. And I feel like that's every time we hang out. So I'm really <laughs> understanding our relationship now. Right. And that's <laughs> so it, um, yeah, no, it's just, yeah. I, I think that this documentary is, is kind of sweet and it's, it's really heartfelt, but it could also be a little bit insulting to well, the people in it. I, I will reach out to Brett, uh, Wickham and, uh, um, his, well, his writing partner. Uh, no, why yeah no i i, I think we uh, very I'm well just, could maybe yeah cool all right <laughs> well i mean so like look at it that. <laughs> look at it like this that if we get the interview and it turns out that he's just totally done this because he's a fan no big deal but if we get the interview and it turns out that he did this because he's a dick he's did my we new do best a friend thing? i think that we did a valuable thing in calling out someone who's being a dickhead yeah but all right so on that vein then would you say that Johnny Knoxville is a dick for doing the wonder, the wild, the wonderful whites of West Virginia. Well, that's just a sure. straight up crazy family. What? <laughs> well, so I guess that question was one dimensional. Yeah, I think he's a dick, but am I going to laugh and watch it? Uh, for sure. <laughs> and I laughed and I watched this one too, but I would never share this in that light and that, haha, these people have real developmental delays and we should mock them. I mean, it's kind of like the bridge. Like I watched it and I learned a lot, but still shitty. And the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia is um, different, I guess, because Johnny Knoxville goes into this absolutely disclosing to that family that they are what they are and that his camera's rolling for that reason. And they don't care. But if Brett Whitcomb went into this and he was just like, so this is pretty fucking weird and you guys are strange and I don't think that this is very cool. Have you ever fucked those robots and shit? I don't think he did that. I think he was aware of their sensitive condition and uh, he deployed his production in a way that kept that secret to them, but he got them to talk regardless. Well, all right then. I, and again, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like well, to... Sorry. Fuck it. Yeah. 
I would love to to talk to him. So we will reach out to him, see if we can uh, uh, talk to him uh, sometime this week. Yeah, same, same. That'd um, be awesome. Yeah. So all in all, I loved it. Christian's on the fence, and Mitch is also on the fence. Is that how it? Nah. I, yeah, I guess maybe, I mean, but I couldn't like I wouldn't want to watch this again, or like I wouldn't tell people. Yeah, see and, about and, it. And, but then after fucking Christian talking, I don't really want to tell people about the wonder, wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia, because they'd be like, "You take advantage of people," and they're like, "Ah, no, it's just awesome." Spout the gospel, Mitch, to tell everyone. Yeah, um, man, a shallow gene pool is always funny, and I'll no, fucking I, stick behind that. I, <laughs> I, I absolutely would watch this again, and I'm gonna tell my wife about it and uh, and have her watch it too. And have um, to berate you for being like, why did you watch this? No, I, I think, I think, on top of everything, this is an homage to the '80s, an homage. Like, it's yeah. a love letter to showbiz pizza. In yeah, I feel mind. like a lot of people in our age bracket could get behind this to be like, oh yeah, that's kind of nostalgic. Maybe yeah, yeah. not Christian because he's used to like hologram fucking bears delivering room pizza. <laughs> but yeah, that's here, no there. I think that um, in in a way. Uh, Tyler, your um, your wife and I have briefly talked about Grey Gardens. Yes, yeah. and she was really sympathetic towards that. She For did sure. not find it funny at all. No, and, and I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't think know that was, she would see this too differently. Yeah, it's great. Well, I think Grey Gardens is a lot more. I, I feel like it's a lot different than this. This is talking about something that's supposed to be fun, and that's talking about two women who are living in utter trash and disarray hey they had but, fun they had fun but yeah uh, yeah and, and, and maybe you're right uh, i who knows i don't know i don't know yeah. you guys I, wouldn't live with like rare rabid raccoons in an old abandoned mm, mansion i know it's pretty <laughs> i would try awesome. <laughs> i know i'm drinking wine time and fur coats like fuck yeah killing I, it out life i enjoyed it i just took it for what i thought it was but uh but that and, and that's a great thing about documentaries, right? Like everyone gets to have a, an opinion, and we get to talk about it. And uh, you know whether we agree or disagree, it, you know, we're still friends. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, not after Christian's rant about how he, yeah, there's so much. I got I got a lot to take in after this. God damn it! I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, dude, that's why you're here. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, so I've. Dipped my hand into the jar. So I'm excited for this one. Christian's not going to be. He's going to be like, nah, I don't think. Oh, baseball, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. It is a baseball documentary. Fuck yeah. Okay, he'll be in if it's the no-no. That's like the only baseball doc that I kind of have got him sold on. It's the no-no. Fuck yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Mm. Oh, Fuck yeah! No hitter. No, oh, no. look at that! Yay, yeah. Doc Ellis. Oh shit, Doc Mother. Speaking of fur coats, oh dude. <laughs> so, oh man, I feel like I've told you this story before, but a quick hilarious story from this documentary, Christian. So Doc Ellis is playing in the major leagues in like the six seventies, and like there's kind of crazy strict dress codes with like weird strict dress codes with baseball. Doc Ellis shows up perm like jerry curls in his hair and a fur coat and was like all right i'm here to play baseball boys and they're like uh what are you what are you doing and then like he would just go out there and do like pretty (laughs) decent and he's like yeah everyone at that time was like fucked up on something so like you knew the third baseman was on like uppers you knew like the second baseman was on downers like the guy in the field was on like whatever else he's like oh yeah it was crazy so, oh, I'm fucking super excited. Like, I've wanted oh, to yeah. watch this for so long, and I've avoided it because of this yeah. project here. And fuck, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And so, then, like, there's a part at the end of the documentary that you're just like, holy fuck. Like, this, like, Doc Ellis was a character, but, like, his character and what he represented was, like, so much bigger than him. It's insane. That, like, it's still kind of, like, his the way that he approached baseball and like his attitude of like just dressing and being an individual is probably like still felt in baseball today. Fuck yeah. Cause like at the end, he just is reading this thing that you're like, Holy fuck. That is so powerful. All oh right. yeah. 
So, dude, this doc's fucking. Oh my god. Base, uh, baseball season just started, and now we're uh, going to watch a uh, a baseball documentary about the great Doc Ellis. Who like didn't he recently pass away, Tyler? Like within the last few years, I think. That I do not know, but I will look. Yeah, I feel like it was within the last little while. Two thousand eight, so thirteen years oh, ago. Okay, it was a while ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so not recently. No. Two thousand eight. Um, yeah. I'm excited to watch this one. Oh so yes. yeah. We will be uh, diving into some baseball next week. That see baseball We're baseball no hitter, boys. We're throwing a no hitter. Baseball is my showbiz pizza. Oh, that's the way to end it. <laughs> that's how to end it. Okay. Thanks for uh, joining, fellas, and uh, I'm excited to uh, get to talk about this one with you guys next week. Still there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Just didn't want to say goodbye. Didn't want to say goodbye. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. See ya. Bye.